Blog Talk Radio. and around the world, streaming live on the internet, it's Real Estate Coaching Radio, bringing you the latest news, interviews, and secrets of the top producers. Hosted by award-winning real estate coaches, Tim and Julie Harris. Welcome back, everyone. This is Tim and Julie Harris, and of course, this is Real Estate Coaching Radio, your unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action, make you money. Listen in now, and you'll learn exactly what it takes to get at everything you possibly can at this new real estate boom. Julie, I know you've been on coaching calls all day. I have as mm-hmm. well. And one of the topics that keeps on coming up um, that I hear, especially from all of you guys that are getting back in the business or newish agents, is you really, if we're being honest, are not doing a very good job of calling your buyer leads and then making them into sales. So what we're going to do is we're going to focus today and probably tomorrow on some buyer lead conversion scripts, some techniques, and frankly, some secrets. The goal here is to help you guys quickly determine who the best buyer leads are, and so you then can obviously put them in contract and not waste a lot of time. I don't want to have another free coaching call with any of you where I'm hearing you guys tell me how you're driving every Tom, Dick, and Harry around God's green earth, showing them every single possible property that comes for sale, hoping to somehow wear them down. So what we're going to start out with today, and Julie and I are going to be going through a lot of information on this call because it's really critical that we share this information with as many agents as possible, as quickly as possible, so you guys can stay focused and obviously get the most out of this new real estate boom. So without any further delay, let's start out with buyer rules. Now, first of all, do you have any rules for your buyers? I'm guessing some of you might say something like, well, they have to be pre-qualified. That might be the extent of your buyer rules, but we're going to give you some very specific ones, so write them down right now. Number one, pre-qualification doesn't mean bunk. They have to be pre-approved. Now, if you don't know the difference between pre-qualification and pre-approved, I don't want to go through it on today's radio show, but the bottom line is is pre-qualification is just a nice little conversation with a lender who is probably playing golf at the time that the buyer was speaking with them, and nothing has been verified. The credit hasn't been checked. The employment hasn't been checked. The anything hasn't been checked. It is a worthless piece of paper. The only well, thing that matters yet, is they it, did it online and took 30 seconds to have some kind of autoresponder tell them, oh, yes, you can go buy a house now. Right. So rule number one is you do not work with any buyers who are not pre-approved. Pre-approved means the only thing that their loan can be subject to is the appraisal of whatever house they end up finding, Okay. Be really clear that you're working with pre-approved buyers. So if you need any help with that, request a free coaching call at freecoachingcallsforagents.com. Number two, if they have, these are your buyer rules, write these down. Number one is pre-approved. Number two, if they have a house to sell, it has to be listed with you. If it's out of state, obviously it has to be listed for sale. Ideally, they have no house to sell, but in the event that they do, and it's local, you have to have the house listed. Do yourself a favor and don't start showing houses to buy uh, to a buyer that has a house to sell until the, their existing house is actually for sale. Otherwise, you're probably just going to be wasting your time. Number three, now, again, depending on your market, I realize this is different, but we strongly suggest that you not work with a buyer unless they've signed a buyer agency agreement. The buyer agency agreement can be kind of a loosey-goosey one, well, that kind of just covers the broad, stro- broad strokes of how you're going to be working together. In other words, you might even want to put an uh, easy exit 
uh, agreement into the buyer agency agreement that if for some reason the buyer is not satisfied with the job you're doing, helping them find a house that they can fire you, that's perfectly fine. But the point is, is if you have their names and their signature on something along with yours, stating the you know rough terms of how you're going to be working together, chances are they're going to be more loyal to you, which is point number four. They cannot be working with any other realtors. So this is rule number four. Cannot be working with any realtors. Cannot just be working with you on one end of town and another realtor on the other end of town. You work with them exclusively or you don't, or you don't work with them. Remember, we told you that. Point number five, these are your rules. They have to have with them at all times a stack of your business cards so that when they walk into any new build rep's offices, uh, they are going to be able to hand your business card to that new build rep so that you get on any potential contracts. I had a coaching call yesterday with one of you, and the call was kind of sad because they had a buyer walk into a new construction project and buy a $1.7 million property. The new construction representative got paid more if the buyer was unrepresented, so of course the buyers, uh, the new build construction rep didn't press the buyer on whether or not they were being represented. Of course they put them in contract as quickly as they could without asking the, or suggesting to the buyer that maybe they get a realtor. And of course that means that this agent, who did have an agreement with the buyer but it didn't matter at that point, isn't going to get paid on a $1.7 million commission. It was 3%, by the way. Okay. Now, you can have your own rules. Another rule we strongly suggest would be rule number six, is that they have realistic expectations. If they have, uh, you know, are looking for a mansion and uh, they have a budget for a mobile home, you might want to be thinking about whether or not those are real buyers. Point number seven, rule number seven, a lot of you guys have only learned how to work with buyers who are cash buyers, who are investors. Um, as you, the market starts to improve, the investors are going to be more and more of a pain in the butt to deal with because of the fact that there's going to be less and less stuff that they're going to be able to flip and make money on or buy and hold. So you might want to consider no longer working with investors, or if you do choose to work with investors, certainly don't spend your best energies with them. Provide them with leads. Provide them maybe with uh, access to properties. And we had this great investor that worked for us, and he was buying properties on a consistent basis. So we literally had him get a real estate license, made him part of our team, got him a super key, and then when he saw a property he wanted to buy, he'd go out and show it to himself and we'd write it. You know? So he basically became his own buyer's his own buyer's agent. You know, if you have really good investors, maybe think about doing something like that. Julie, any other rules or that's probably sufficient, correct? I, I would add that they are actually responsive when you say, you know, they say they want a three-bedroom, two-bath, yada, yada. You call them, you tell them you've got that. It's not two weeks before you hear from them. They're on top of that's it. Right. They're saying, when can I see it? Now, that's, that would be rule number eight. I like that one. Thank you, Julie. All right. Now, let's move on to exact scripts and techniques. I told you guys we're going to cover a lot of ground. Hopefully, you're taking notes. You can re-listen to this radio show later, of course. So, how do you help a buyer in their minds to really focus in on a particular geographic area, a city or a part of a city? This system works, and it's 100% foolproof, and it's very simple. You sit – oh, by the way, this isn't part of my notes. This just popped into my head, so I want to make this really clear. Uh, never have a buyer follow you. When you're showing properties, the buyer is in the car with you. It is not follow the leader. You need to have them in the car with you so that you can actually, you know, sell them, do your job in between houses, get to know them, bond with them, 
Learn their preferences, their likes, their dislikes. That only happens when you're driving around with them in the car. And it's also a killer way to get referrals as you become friends with them, which is inevitably going to happen as you're driving them around showing them properties, okay? So some of you, I don't know why you do it. You have them follow you. Stop doing that. It is right, nuts. and that includes just meeting them here and there at different houses. I you know what, that Julie, we should have made that rule number one. We should have made yeah. that rule number one, right? Never meet a new buyer at a listing. Always meet them at your house, and that's a safety concern. So right. go back up to your notes, and we're making that one the new rule number one. Never meet a buyer that you don't have an existing relationship with at any place other than your office the first time you meet. Or Starbucks. Do not meet them at a house. Okay, it's just a safety concern, and there's lots of issues with realtor safety, especially this time of year. So take precautions. Okay, now here's the technique to basically help a buyer focus in on what particular geographic area they should be looking in. You get a map. Remember those? Not not Google Maps or <laughs> you know school. something on your phone. Then a map. Paper. And you ha- <laughs> paper. That's right. And you have a map of like say a specific area, you know, in which they're looking a quadrant of the city, if you will. And then on the map, in front of them, while you're sitting there, I want you to pull out a red pen, and I want you to ask them the following questions. Where do you work? Let's assume it's a married couple, a man and a woman. Where do you work, Mr. Seller? I work right there. Then I want you to put a little star, little star, where Mr. Seller works, or Mr. Buyer works, sorry. And where do you work, Mrs. Buyer? Well, I don't. I take care of my three kids. Okay, great. So where do your kids go to school, Mrs. Buyer? My kids go to school here and here. Okay, put little stars there. Next. If they go to church, synagogue, mosque, or what have you, mark down where that is. If they have any specific things, like do you guys frequently go to grandma's house? Okay, where is that? And then you start on this map, you start putting little stars about you know on all the places that they frequent or all the places that they go on, say, a weekly basis. Make sense? Now, what you ask them is this question. Mr. and Mrs. Potential Buyer, how, well, in this case, since we're only having the husband leave the house every day to go to work, Mr. Buyer, how long do you want to be spending in the car every single day, driving to work and back from work? Ask them that very simple question. How long do you want to be spending in the car? Now, they'll t- typically say, and you guys can remember I told you this and you'll laugh when you hear what I say, 20 minutes. They always say 20 minutes, okay? So depending on where you are, 20 minutes could mean Five miles if you're in L.A. It takes you five miles to go, you know, it takes you 20 minutes to go five miles in L.A. Or if you're like in Texas, if you're in Texas, (laughs) you know, 20 minutes is 100 miles. You get my point? So depending on the congestion and the traffic determines how far away. So the star around where the guy works, you then need to draw a circle that represents the drive time that he said he's willing to put in every single day. Again, if you're in L.A. or if you're in Manhattan or if you're in you know, parts of the country where there's a lot of folks, then it's not going to be very far because of the amount of drive time. Drive time is time in the car. Does this make sense, Julie? Am I explaining this? Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, and okay. it's visual. Everybody can understand it. You're not trying to do it some weird way online. Now, if the seller, and this is sometimes, these are the big pain-in-the-butt sellers, one of them wants to be out in the country, and the other basically says, and it's, it, it, he almost says, it's always yeah, a man and a woman. Always. A woman wants to have the house in the country and a place with space, and, and it's all great stuff. It's worth wanting. And the husband's like, I do not want to sit in the car for two hours every day. So, yeah. again, you, when you have folks like that that aren't focusing on what they want, another little tip here. When someone says they want a, a private lot or they're they looking for those types of settings, 
don't assume that means large. You have to ask yeah. them. So if it were a smaller city lot that had uh, lots of trees and, and privacy in the backyard where your kids could play, would that work for you? So you have to get into their uh, when yeah, they people say I want to live in the questions. yeah. They say I want to live in the country a lot of times because they hate their current neighbors or they're in a condo is too loud or whatever. What they really mean is they want some privacy. So dig deeper, ask lots of great questions, and define that. It's the same thing when somebody says I want a fixer upper. Well, what's a fixer upper to you? I to mean, you. to us, it's carpet and paint, right? <laughs> okay. To some people, it's moving walls around and knocking it down. So right. everybody's a little bit different. Dig deeper, ask more questions. What does this mean to you? Can you paint me a picture? And then write down what they want. And a buyer's going to say, well, I'm looking for a great deal. We hear that all the time, don't we? Oh, yeah. So That's Mr. Seller, one. to Julie's point, what – I'm sorry, Mr. Buyer, what does a great deal mean to you? So a great deal to a lot of the folks listening right now, your minds automatically go to price, doesn't it? Aha. Uh-huh. But I bet if you start asking mm-hmm. your buyers that, you're going to discover, to Julie's point, that a great deal means I don't have to do anything. I can just move in. Everything's updated. There's no work for me to do. That's a great deal for me. So be careful with the assumptions that you're making. Otherwise, you are never going to sell them a house. So back to this whole map thing. Don't overcomplicate it, right? Back to this whole map thing. So let's just say, for example, you're selling in a normal Midwestern market like Columbus, Ohio. That's, you know, Julie and I sold real estate there. Now, we haven't sold real estate there for over 10 years, but, you know, let's just use that as an example. And let's say somebody is working at the Limited, which is by uh, New Albany. You know, Limited owns Victoria's Secret, Bath and Body Works, all these great brands that you guys see in malls all over the place. So that's where they're headquartered. So you're going to put a big star on the Limited uh, right on the map because that's where they go every day. Then you're going to say, Mr. Seller, buyer, sorry, I keep on doing that. Mr. Buyer, how far every day do you want us to be you know, driving? How long do you want to sit in the car? I'm willing to sit in the car for a half hour every day. Okay, so you're willing to say, Mr. Seller, you're willing to sit in the car a half hour every day, like 15 minutes to work and t- 15 minutes back to work, or 30 minutes to work and then you know, then 30 minutes back to work. Which is it? Well, I'm willing to sit in the car for 30 minutes total. Okay, so we're looking at 15 minutes both ways, realistically. Then draw a circle around the limited in this example, showing him what a 15-minute circumference of where that would, uh, you know, where basically he could live to accomplish that drive time. Then what you could do is where the kids, for the wife, you could say, and let's say she's working at home, taking care of the family, perfectly great. So then you then do the same thing. How far do you want to be sitting in the car to drive your kids to school? How about the other kid? Okay, how about, you know, and then you end up having all these kind of circles on your map, the main one being the drive time to work. Then you say, okay, guys, so realistically, this is the, you're going to find that most people live and work within a concentration that's maybe uh, three to five miles. That's how. That's realistically how most people live, you know. And it's interesting. Statistically, most people are born and die within 20 miles of the exact same geographic location. So that's just kind of something to think about. Now, once you've got it kind of focused in on what geographic area that they're thinking about that they could realistically live in to accomplish the drive time and how much hassle they want to have getting kids back and forth to school and whatnot, then you say. Mr. Seller, Mr. Buyer, sorry, what are the housing expectations? What are you looking for? We're looking for something in this price range, this many bedrooms, this many bathrooms. Then you can focus on specific neighborhoods. Now, you might find within that circle that you drew around where they work that there's three or four neighborhoods that meet those criteria, no problem. Or you might find that they have more exacting requirements. Maybe they have horses or whatnot, 
And then you need to expand the circle. So, Mr. Seller, if we go if, you know, accomplish that specific goal to have 10 acres or whatnot, we're going to have to expand outside of the initial radius and now to go to this greater radius. So that means you're going to be driving to work 45 minutes. Are you sure you want 10 acres? And then they can start determining specifically how long and how important different things are to them, you see? Versus what a lot of you guys do is you just will say, you know, they'll say, I want to live in Laguna Beach, California, okay? So Laguna Beach, California is a small, tiny little coastal town, and the average sale price there is $1.7 million. And if they're looking for, say, a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath with a three-car garage on an acre lot, right. they're not going to find it. So, again, know your market. That goes back to one of the rules about realistic expectations. So the first thing you do with these buyers is you focus them in on a geographic area. Then you start really drilling down on the details of what's important to them and the houses that they look for. Now, here's where it gets fun. When you after you've had the buyers meet all the criteria, pre-approved, signed a buyer agency contract, they're in the car with you, there's uh, different little games you can play. One's called the floor plan game, and one's called the three times out game, or what, three times out script is really what it is. Be while you're sitting in the, ideally, the conference room with them before you take them out, or while you're at Starbucks before you all hop in your car to, drive, to show them houses, or even better, earlier on when you pre-qualified them and they've been with your lender to be pre-approved, you say this to them. Mr. Seller, I have found that 95% of the time, most buyers are able to find and purchase a house within three trips or less. Can I tell you why? Well, why? Because the first time we go out, we're going to be looking for houses that are specifically in that original circumference that you are willing to drive every single day that meet your criteria. So you said you wanted a Cape Cod that was a four-bedroom, two-and-a-half bath, half-acre lot, you know, 20-minute drive to work. Perfect. Those are what we're going to be looking for on this first trip. So don't be surprised that if on this first trip, Mr. Seller, buyer, you actually find the house that you're going to want to buy. It is not unusual, quite literally, Mr. Buyer, for one of my buyers to fall in love with the first house, if not the second house that I show them. So when that happens, you have to give yourself permission to say, this is the house for me. Because remember, every house we go into, there are 10 buyers that came through before it, and there's going to be 10 buyers that come through after it, all looking for the same house. And if we walk in the front door, and it's close enough to what you're looking for, you have to say, this is the one for me. Make sense? Perfect. So it's important that you always bring your checkbook on every trip we go out, especially on the first one. Because chances are, there's a high probability that we're going to find something on the first trip. Now, what am I doing there, guys? I'm setting the expectation that we're not going to be driving around God's green earth between now and, say, 2027, right? We're setting and you're giving the them permission. So you're giving them permission to say, yes, that house is the one, and you're letting them know that it's okay not to see 100 houses before you make your decision. That's right. So on the first trip, Mr. Buyer, we're only going to be looking at three or four houses. These three or four houses are the ones that are closest to what you described you were looking for. And I'm also going to sprinkle in some wild cards, things that might raise your eyebrow that you may not have considered, might not have considered. Now, if we don't find something today or tomorrow when we're out looking at houses, then the second trip what we're going to do is we're going to take the best house from the first trip, and then I'm going to introduce you to three or four maybe new listings or things that basically we hadn't seen on the first trip, and we're going to compare the houses from the second 
outage, out, outing, I'm sorry, to the best one on the first one. And then what's going to happen is we're going to choose the best one from the second trip, and we're going to compare it to the best one on the first trip. And then we're going to usually, if you hadn't, uh, weren't able to find your house on the first trip, at that point you'll be deciding on purchasing a house between the best one we found the first go-around and the best one we find on the second go-around, assuming we even have to get together for a second time. Now, in some cases, very, very rarely, we go out for a third time. And when we go out for a third time, we'll be comparing, again, the first, the best from the first trip, the best from the second trip, and then we're also, I'm going to do my best to introduce you to something new if there's anything new for me to show you. Now, it's important that you understand that I'm not just out there willy-nilly showing you properties. These are properties that in most cases I personally previewed for you, so I know that they're the best of the best of what the market has to offer. If we are not successful in finding you something on the first trip, if we're not successful in finding you something on the second trip, there is like a 99.9% .9 chance that on the third trip you will be purchasing a house. What have I done? It's happened. What's transpired in that script? You have set a definitive end date. You have set realistic expectations. You have told them what to expect. You have told them that you're not going to be showing them houses until the cows come home. You have told them how basically the experience will go. You have set realistic expectations. That is what every buyer wants. That is what they expect from you versus you just dumping MLS listings on them and waiting for them to basically raise their hand and say, I want to see this and see that. That will drive you nuts. You're not controlling the experience. They will end up buying a house from somebody else or walking in a new construction site and buying a new construction site, and you won't get on the contract. That's how those things often happen to agents because they haven't been professional in their approach. So, Julie, what comes to mind? Well, what comes to my mind is how many agents out there say things like, I hate buyers, buyers are liars, they waste my time, yada, yada, when really it's the agent's fault for not taking the time to educate the client about how they are supposed to be looking for a house. How long is it supposed to take? What is the actual process? It's not your buyer's job to know what to do. That's why they're hiring you to represent them, is so that you can hold their hand, so you can lead the way. And if they resist anything that Tim just laid out for you, it's because something else is going on. Maybe they don't have their financing in place yet. Maybe something else is awry. Maybe they're your about to maybe lose their job. Who probably. knows? Yeah, you What's broke that? one of your own rules is most likely what happened. Yeah. So now some of you are going to say, well, Tim, I just don't want to be perceived as a pushy salesperson. Did, oh, yes. If you use the script, can hear them like I just that. laid it out, yeah, is there any pushy salesman going on there? No. No, because totally there is logical. No, that's right. And so, Julie, another thing I know is very powerful. When you see the buyer getting the buying signals, like, so you set up certain rules. We're, Julie, let's go through the floor plan script, too. So I'm going to take sure. you guys through. I know, we're, I know we're kind of content dumping here, and I know Julie yeah. has a call in 10 minutes, so I might have to just do this in part of my own, but that's okay. So I'm giving you guys this information because I know a lot of you are working with buyers right now. Hopefully you're embracing this. At least some of it is soaking into your head. If you're not a current coaching client, you need to seriously consider enrolling one of our coaching programs because then obviously we'll go through all of this with great more detail and you get all the scripts written out, and there's a lot of other stuff that I just don't have time to share with you. But there is a system to selling buyers that you too can follow that will get most folks in contract usually in three trips or less. And most frequently it's two trips or less. All right, now, you're in the car with the buyers. Here's the way to set it up. I'm assuming it's a husband and a wife again. 
You put the husband in the back seat with a map. It's busy work to keep him busy. That's all it is. Okay? Because in most cases, (laughs) that's right. Give him some crayons and a coloring book, whatever it takes. (laughs) Okay? The, The woman is almost always the decision maker when it comes to buying a property. That just, I don't know why, we don't need to explore the psychology of it. Just a fact. Just a fact. Okay. So the man's in the back with his coloring books and his Legos. The woman is in the front. You give her the MLS printouts. Remember, you're only giving her three or four. Now, you look them both in the eye before you pull out of the Starbucks or your office parking lot. You say, Mr. Buyer, Mrs. Buyer, I have three rules. Rule number one is if you see something you like and you want to purchase it, you have to tell me. Rule number two is no whispering, no whispering between the two of you. I need to hear you talking about what you like and dislike. If there's anything you like and dislike, you need to tell me urgently. Rule number three is if anything changes while we're working together, you need to tell me immediately so that I can help accommodate whatever your needs are. In other words, if they decide not to buy a house or their motivation changes, their financial situation changes. So Mr. Buyer, Mrs. Buyer, we have complete honesty so I can focus all my best energies on finding you the exact home you're looking for. Make sense? Perfect. Okay, good. Then you give her a mobile desk. You can get these in the form of a, you know, you just Google mobile desk. Go to Amazon and put in portable desk, mobile desk. There's these little plastic things. They're not very fancy, but then what you're going to give her is you're going to give her a mobile desk, and inside of it there's going to be three or four, however many houses you're showing her and showing him, MLS printouts. Then you're going to give her a pen, and you're going to say, I want you to take notes on every property we go to look at, but here are the rules. Here's how it's going to work. We're going to go into the first house, Mrs. Byer, Mr. Byer, and you're going to maybe take notes on what you do and don't like. Maybe you will or won't take notes. It's up to you, however you want to remember it. But write them on this MLS printout. And then we're going to go into, assuming you didn't like the first one, see what I'm doing, constantly reminding them that they can purchase the first house that I show them. If you don't like the first one, if it's not the house for you, no worries. I got others. We're going to, then I'm going to introduce you to the second house. Then when we get back into the car, you're going to have to decide sitting right where you're sitting now, which one do you like better, the first one or the second one? And whichever one you like better stays in your hand, and the one you dislike gets crumpled up and thrown on the floor. We call that the floor model game. Then, Mr. Byer, Mrs. Byer, we're going to go into the third house. So let's say, for example, you like the second house better than the first house. Now I'm introducing you to the first house went on the floor. You're literally going to see it crumpled up on my floor. And then we go into the third house. And let's say you still like the second house better than the third house. We get back in the car, house number three, onto the floor it goes. Then we look at a fourth one, same thing. And let's say in this particular example, we still like the second house better than the other three houses I've shown you. So at the end of our trip, it's going to be very obvious, Mr. Spire, Mr. Buyer, which house is for you because it's going to be the only one in your hand. And at that point, you're probably going to be making a decision to purchase that property. That's the whole script. That's how complicated it is. Isn't that fun? It's easy, right? Well, All it cuts down do on the whole thinking about it, oh, you know, which one had this and which one had that, right? You're forcing them to really think about things while you're on the road, so then at the end of the day, the decision should be obvious. And do it for the last. Have fun with it, you know? I mean, there's yeah. a lot of other little nuances that, again, we don't have time to share with you, but the essence of it is is have fun with it. Working with buyers the reason that so many of you guys gravitate towards it is because it's easier. 
The house, for the most part, sells itself. You don't have to sell yourself. You're just essentially opening the door. That is essentially it. Make it fun. Make it social. But for God's sake, don't make it a life sentence for yourself. No, exactly. Don't make it it so you have to basically be stuck in showing house hell for the rest of your career. That's just not the way to make money. There is an art to it. You know, it's good that it's easy because you can have fun with it, you can play with it, you can systematize it, you can make it work like clockwork. And if somebody resists you, it's because they're not ready to buy yet. You can go on to your next prospect. That's okay. It's not the. It's not you if you're doing this right. It's them. So don't be discouraged if somebody says, "Oh, I'm not going to meet you at your office." Well, why wouldn't somebody so, do that? A, <laughs> you know? a friendly warning for all of you who have new construction in your markets, mm. which, by the way, is mm-hmm. all of you. Go yeah. to the builder's website, go to the new build rep, and ask for a copy of the registration forms. So if you have 10 builders, yeah. I want you to have 10 stacks of registration forms. And every time you take on a new buyer, you fill out the form, you register that buyer. The form does not require the buyer's signature in most cases. No one's going to actually check their signature. And then fax it to that build rep so that Even buyer is registered with you. Even if you don't think they're going to buy new construction. Because right. they could Even just wander in this weekend. Mm-hmm. Or during the week. Yeah, we were driving yep. by and we followed the signs and go, 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 we're so excited. We're going to contract that new construction. Did you put me on hmm. the contract? Uh, no, were we supposed to? Can't, is that? Oh, that's how it happens. Yep. Not their fault. Don't that. hate on the buyer for doing that. It's your job it's to your know fault. about this stuff. That's right. So listen, guys, some of you are ready to hire a coach, and I appreciate that. Others of you aren't, and I appreciate that. For those of you who are existing coaching students or ready to become coaching students, of Julie and I are in our organization, I want you to request a free coaching call. Free coaching calls for agents.com. Free coaching calls for agents.com. Uh, Julie and I are keeping ourselves on the roster offering free coaching calls for another 30 days. We originally only planned on doing it for ourselves for 30 days, but now we're going to extend it for 30 days because, frankly, the free coaching calls are oftentimes fun. Go to free coaching calls for agents.com. Scheduling preferences always given to existing students. So, you guys need any help? Come on. Let's do it. Let's have a free coaching call. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and we will pick up on Moments of Truth on tomorrow's radio show, or I think we had a different topic. Regardless, well, join us tomorrow at same time, same station, and have a fantastic rest of your day. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time, thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.